Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. Welcome to Moving the Rock. Here we are again, Jimmy. Pretty crazy. Yeah, can't wait. And, and now I'm feeling sultry because we were doing a sound <laughs> check and you were like, it sounds sultry. <laughs> oh, we can say those things here. We can say what we want. It's our show. Um, excited to dive in today. I know we were talking about this a little bit before we started. And the order of what we're hitting, you've thought through it so much. And I know that. And it's evident because the topic we're diving in today is the topic that people start with so often. They sit with a blank piece of paper and they feel this pressure, uh, but they skip over what we would have been really hitting on in the previous 20 lessons. And so before we even get into the topic, uh, we were just talking about this idea that we got to have the vision before we get into what we're talking about today. Because if you've got the vision, the rest flows out of that. You know, I don't believe Simone Biles was ever late at night, uh, feeling stressed, taking a course on productivity to see if she could be a better gymnast. Uh, she didn't have to worry about being productive. The passion, the goals, the drive, and the discipline came out of the vision of who she is. World-class gymnast, getting all these moves named after her. And so I know that's near and dear to you. And now here we are talking about what's the big topic for today and why is it so late in the game? Episode 21. Goal setting. Yeah. Well, and, and so I love it because when I think of what you and I are talking about and when I think about the courses I create and the coaching I give, you know, and the things that just make sense to me uh, based on the experience the last, let's say, 30 years, um, I then I then try to test them and connect them back to the things that I learned earlier in my life. Right. So what, what you're talking about right now. Uh, reminds me of Karate Kid, right? And I had no clue when I watched it for the first time. And this is the original Mr. Miyagi. Or this is way back when. But, you know, the Karate Kid came to Mr. Miyagi with a vision. And the first thing he Miyagi did with him was, was challenge him with the process. Mm -hmm. Here's what you've got to do to get there. And then came the goal. The goal was number three. I want to win a championship, I want to win a tournament, I want to do whatever. So same thing with Simone Biles. I want to be an Olympic champion. Boom. It puts you, it, it, it puts you in the arena, puts you in front of the coach. Then the coach says, okay, here's the discipline. Here's the process. Here's what you have to do every day for the next, you know, 10, 15 years. I love right? it. Right. And then it. you you use those goals along the way to, to make it happen. And we're going to talk more today about what goal setting is and how to use goal setting to make this happen in your career and your life. And I know that's what people want to hear, but before they hear that, and we can't spend long on this, have you read the like postmodern deconstruction of Karate Kid that Karate Kid no. was really the bully? 
Are you kidding? Are you kidding? No, man. But I'm okay. You gotta let us know a little bit about it. Yeah, it's hilarious. But if if you listen to this, uh, it's this guy has a YouTube video on it for a few minutes. Are you gonna dis- makes- are you gonna trash my my kind of memory of this, man? Because the I principle mean- the principle solid. The process is the foundation, and and falling in love with the process. But this guy does make this point in this video and i have to say that you know for me karate kid has all this nostalgia and i watched this video and i was like he kind of has a point he kind of has a point so if listeners want to check it out you could probably type in youtube karate kid the bully and you'll find it and nothing is sacred right everything exists for a time and then later on (laughs) it uh there people have a different angle on it but the principle still being so powerful that yeah he taught him the process and the process is the foundation because the process takes us to, you know, and this is what you talk about so much. I love this phrase you use, the shared path. So you can have your process and I can have my process, but what if those processes are different? What do we do then? Right, 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 right. Well, as long as we have a shared goal, then what we'll do is we'll find odds are, really strong that we'll find a way that our processes can work together and maybe even even leverage each other. Uh, so the first really, step really, really is, is to get that shared path. That's the beginning with who? Who has to have the shared path? Well, so, in by, and by shared path, you're talking process. Yeah, well, whatever we mean when we say we want to get to the same place, we want to get to that shared goal we know that the process makes up the foundation for the goal, but as we get to that goal, and you think about this, you know, as I know we're talking about at the big idea level, leadership and specifically sales, how often times have you worked with teams, all your experience over the years where they may even have the same process, but different goals. Right, right, right. Right. And so, so for me, um, when and it, we're talking now in the context of sales leadership and building a sales team, but this applies to anyone anywhere in life, as far as I'm concerned, but we'll, we'll apply it to sales. So for me, when I think about goal setting, the goal helps each member of the team establish the future value of their time. Why is this important? Because a process or a shared path cannot be executed without the proper commitment of time, whatever that proper commitment is. So the goal actually sets the value of your time. If your goal is to win the Super Bowl, then you know that every every moment you spend preparing for that uh, potentially has a huge amount of future value, life-changing value to it. So in that context, the goal uh, becomes highly motivational when you can leverage it in the moment to dedicate yourself to excellence in how you spend your time. And the more dedicated you are as you invest your time, the greater future value you're building. Uh, And that's really something I think that's missing for a lot of folks when they do goal setting. They write some stuff down on a piece of paper and they expect that that is enough. And what we want to do is make sure that we're replicating the best practice, which is it's not just about writing it down. It's about living it, right? I talk a lot about um, living the legacy or living the vision. 
you know, this idea of living the expectation you have for yourself. In this case, it's it's taking that goal and transforming it into energy that you can use to drive your behaviors every moment that you execute that process or walk or for every step that you take as you walk that path. So it's not just about starting with this blank piece of paper and I have to manufacture this goal. I have to stress myself into it. I have to set it and then set it bigger because you got to think bigger. It's everything we've covered up to this point. It's the vision. It's the process. But then when you do get to that point that you're thinking about the goal, your understanding or your appreciation is that that goal is setting the future value of your time. That's that's exactly right. That correctly, yeah. That's exactly right. And and everybody's everybody around you, who's depending upon you hitting that goal, cares about this. So if you're a salesperson, uh, one natural way to apply this is that, on average, a salesperson in the United States has 21 selling days per month to invest in their vision. Not counting vacation days, sick days, travel days, personal days, lazy days, and distracted days, and golf days, whatever <laughs> whatever keeps you out of the office and uh, not committed to what you're trying to do. So in that context, what's really important then is, is, is if I'm going to establish the future value of my time, I first have to know how much time I have to dedicate. So one of the first exercises we go through with a salesperson is we figure out, okay, for the next three months, how much time... Each month, do you have to dedicate to selling? How many selling days per month do you have? Now, you also have to, to extract the times uh, and days that your customers are taking off. If you sell into manufacturing, there may be times that the plant is shut down. Uh, if you're selling into another country, another territory, there may be vacation days that they're taking that you don't take. So you have to consider how many selling days you have per month to invest. And that's going to that's gonna help you think about how you're going to achieve that goal. And now we're establishing, if we only have like 15 or 16 selling days in a month, the value of that time now is is has gone way up. And I have to be much more dedicated, much more focused to make that, to realize that value. Well, I remember last year, I was thinking about adding uh, like a, a, an entry-level product that then I would engage people, sell that before they take the bigger step they take with us. And you walked me through this exercise and we're filling in the numbers and the time for the goal, how many meetings it would take, how many meetings you'd have to do, you know, and, and your deep knowledge of percentages and all that. And it was depressing. I was like, Mm. that's all I'm going to do. And it's only going to give me this much return on the investment. That that dollar sign was so low and for the time that would have been required. And uh, so I experienced that myself. And it literally informed a strategic redirection because that that time was worth so much more. That value was so much larger that that would have been a trade-off. I would have been working on the wrong goal. Right, right. Totally forgot about that till we just started talking about through this. So if you're trying to take somebody and help them understand what it means to get this goal process dialed in, you've got a blank page, you're going to process first. As you go to that process, you're starting to think about time. As you start to think about time, you know, because I've heard you talk about this, the pitfall that happens there, this 
you know, this misalignment that occurs, the dirty secret of what really goes on. Um, let's talk about right. the dirty secret for a little bit. <laughs> well, the dirty secret, and there's lots of them, but the one we're talking about is time management. If I could, if I could just reach into the history of coaching organizations just over the last 15 years, the number one observation that sales leaders have of their team is terrible time management. And so oftentimes um, they want the band-aid to protect the wound, but they're not really understanding what poor behaviors actually created the wound in the first place. And so we have to have a conversation about that dirty little secret. We don't just sell band-aids, right? We prevent injury. And the way you prevent that injury is by thinking about, you know, time management is about learning to invest time in what's most important. Mm. And so that's what every member of that sales team that has a time management problem is doing. They're investing time in what they think is most important, like walking the dog, because now we're working from home, walking the dog, making two sandwiches instead of one, hmm. you know, checking in with your kid first day of school, um, you know, boy, what's happening on, I haven't watched any news today, what's happening in sports, all that shit, all, all the stuff that they think is important in that moment, without the proper preparation, you're going to lose your people and you're not going to have people um, focus on the commitments that they've made to you and the commitments that, that you then have made to your superiors, to your company. Uh, and so goal setting allows us to um, frame the value of the future value of their time and allow them to focus on, okay, great. What is it that I have to do and when do I have to get it done in order to make that goal a reality? And, and the key word here is investment. We want our salespeople thinking like investors. What options do they have? They could be thinking like a debtor. I'm going to go into debt. Okay. So every time they turn that TV on, instead of making a phone call or following up Make, doing an easy follow-up, they're going into debt. They're, mm. they're, right? Or they could be a consumer. Uh, they could just be a consumer of time. They could be um, a saver, right? But we know that debtor is the worst. Consumer means you're, you're not going into debt, but you're still spending. If you're saving, great. You're not a debtor or, or a consumer, but you're not earning anything. Mm -hmm. Think like an investor. How can I invest an hour and get several hours back? Or how can I invest an hour and make several thousands of dollars? And how can I invest an hour tomorrow and make even more? So it's about investments. So if I think like an investor, I'm when I sit down in front of the TV, <laughs> instead of doing a simple follow-up, I understand what that costs me. And I'm looking at it with a with a different perspective. And by the way, if I can get every member of my team thinking like an investor, then they're going to be aligned with me and my and my business and my stakeholders and shareholders in the business because we're all thinking like investors. Mm. Um, I love that analogy. I mean, it rings the bell, you know, because I want to invest time in those things that multiply back. So when I'm not doing that, you know, it, it, here's what it makes me think of. Josh Waitzkin, this uh, guy who was, they made the Searching for Bobby Fisher movie about him. Uh, he's been a jujitsu champion, 
you know, super high performer in a bunch of different fields. But he talks about what hurts people so often is they simmer at a six. And what he means by that is they're not fully on at a 10, engaged, activated, giving it their best. They're not relaxed at a one. They're simmering at a six. It's this, this half place of kind of on. And so what happens when they get in that space is they start to lose their edge. They're not growing at the edge of their abilities. They're not uh, fully immersed, the learning, the engagement, and then they're not getting that deep relaxation. So instead, they just kind of stay in this irritated middle. And as they stay in this irritated middle, they're not using their time mm -hmm. investment. I love that. Yeah. I want to invest all my time. Really have fun with friends, invest in growing the impact of the business. And of course, we're talking about sales, invest with family and invest in just sitting still on the porch, old man style. But that's right. renewing too. I'm not well, simmering just, in the six. That's, well, that's exactly right. So everything, if you think of everything as an investment, then yes, when you have downtime, you're going to think of how, what's the best way for me to invest that downtime, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So I like to think of this idea that, you know, time, like energy, flows where your attention goes. So if your goals don't reflect your priorities, right, where your, intent, where your attention goes, then you'll never have the time to achieve your goals. And then you'll always have that, you'll always view yourself as not having enough time. Yeah. Right. And we know that every time we hear that, it's bullshit. Yeah. I don't have enough time to work out. I don't have enough time to eat right. I don't have enough time to do whatever, fill in the blank. Well, they have this thing they say in world class, like athletic awareness performance, just to be mindful of this idea, like downhill skiers and such, where the head goes, the body goes. So the head is the vision. The body is the goals. And... What we've got to make sure we're doing is getting that order straight in our head. And as we do, we're monitoring the impact on the body. We're monitoring the feedback. We're getting awareness how we're using right. our time. Um, right. So where do you see organizations lose this shared path? You've got a sales leader who's really dialed in, wants to perform, wants to execute like crazy. What's the dangerous thing that could happen next? Well, so, <laughs> you know, one of my favorite, I'm laughing because, you know, I just have all these images in my head of situations like this. This is really what we do for a living, right? So yeah, one of my favorite and most infamous phrases with my clients is this idea that you have the people you deserve. Mm. So when I say that to a, a team of leaders that I'm coaching, I ask them, is it true? And you know, when they think about it, they almost to a person say, yes, it is true. You have the people you deserve because they get, they get past the defensiveness that, that that creates. And they think about it. Yeah. I mean, I hired these people They're on, or I haven't fired them. So they're on my team because I chose for them to be there. So yeah, I have the people I deserve. And what it also means is that, that I'm ultimately, the leader is ultimately accountable for having those people on the team and for the ability of those people to reach and redefine their potential and exceed or overachieve their goals. 
So if you think and that way as a leader and you're willing to accept that, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I say that takes us to this big idea, the overachieve. That's the section we're in now, these ah. next five lessons. We're <laughs> right. overachieving when we do that. Right on, right on. Right. So the goal is to make sure the, the people you deserve are the people you desire. Mm. How do you do that? Well, you've got to incorporate this concept of goal setting as early as possible. Because if you don't have a team that shares your goal as a leader, then you cannot hope to walk them down the shared path. By getting it down in place, we're not going to get somewhere we didn't want to go. (laughs) But what you and I find out a lot of times on the back end of things, when that misalignment's there, we want a quick fix, but we've got to figure out where did we lose our way. Right. Yeah, quick fix... Uh, quick fix is really a transactional decision, transactional effort. It's not going to get you where you want to be. Yeah. Avoid the quick fix for sure. Go back to the beginning, right? What mistakes did you make? Um, and then how do you, how do you unravel that? How do you fix that? And, and, you know, um, I just, just talking to a, a really sharp business owner, who he, on his own, brought this concept of vulnerability into the conversation, right? A leader who isn't vulnerable is a leader who cannot ultimately lead their team to greater and greater heights, right? We say growth is the mastery of change. Part of that mastery is having the vulnerability to admit when you've walked, we've taken the, when you've taken a misstep, when you've gone the wrong way, when you don't know what you think you know, when you have things to work on. If a leader can't do that, then how can the leader possibly inspire his or her team to do that? Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, you do see leaders that get things done without vulnerability, um, but it's not a shared path, you know? It's a forced path, and a forced path doesn't last over time. It loses. It doesn't, it costs, a forced path costs you energy. If you're going to force something, you got to bring all the energy to it, mm-hmm. right? The shared path creates energy. So if you're a leader and you feel like, shit, my team is like a drag, like, and like the way I used to feel before I hired my life coach back in 05, um, you know, I, I always looked at management as being a babysitter, Right. Because I saw the salespeople around me who would make up excuses, bitch and complain about not hitting their numbers or they have a crappy territory or whatever. Find every excuse in the book to take the uh, take the ownership off of them and put it on something else. The ownership for their crappy performance or their lack of satisfaction with the way that things were going. And then I viewed my manager try to deal with that. Mm. And they were dealing with it in the quick fix. They were responding to the symptom instead of getting to the cause. And so what we're talking about here is actually, let's get past the symptom. Let's think about how do we, how do we get to the root of this issue? And the root of the issue is really to go back to the beginning and think about what the hell we're here for, mm. right? What is that goal? What's the value of that to me? That means every minute that I'm working on it, 
I'm creating that much value, future value for myself. And every minute that I'm not working on it, I'm costing myself that value. And now I have the opportunity to make a choice. And now I actually have that, that trigger, that motivator to focus me on the things that matter most, the things that are going to contribute to my success. Not just getting work done, but as you've said, Chris, you know, looking at you, look at, look at yourself holistically. Yes, I can improve my knowledge, my learning. So make time to read, make time to interview uh, potential mentors, make time to spend time with mentors, make time to get my work done, make time to enjoy the, the few things in my life that matter the most to me, like my kids, mm-hmm. like being outdoors. All that stuff is going to, based on your view of what's required to be successful, your understanding of yourself, all those things now are required and all those things can be viewed as investments in the ultimate objective. So so we're at this point in the journey, you get this goal process dialed in, uh, you step into an organization, you're working with them, you see that they have a dialed in goal process. Great. You're going to help them improve that. What do you do when they don't have a really awesome goal process in place? What do you, do you have like a a thing that you offer them, a template? The best one is our sales GPS. And why do I say it's the best? It's the one that is the most requested. And it's the template that um, has the biggest impact on our clients the fastest. So generally when we meet organizations that have a uh, chaotic environment or a random environment or an environment that can be improved with proper goal setting, uh, it's generally a function of not only a lack of properly identified goals, but it's also a lack of having a well-thought-out plan and a scorecard to make sure that we're on plan, which is why we call it the GPS. Instead of uh global positioning system, we talk, we talk about goals, plans, and scorecards. When you get in your car to go someplace that you've never been, you turn on your GPS. Same thing here. If you want to take your organization someplace it's never been, think about the GPS. Think about a holistic view of goal setting, action planning, and then scorekeeping to deliver the accountability required not to leverage carrot stick motivators, but to make sure that if there's an opportunity to improve, we can identify that opportunity and then take it. And that was the one that we went through last summer. First time I went through it in depth and I was like, that's when all those revelations hit. And so, yeah, people want to get that best yeah, place for them to go to at, get it. Uh, grow at floristgroup.com. You get, you'll get the, uh, deets in the uh, outro of the uh, podcast. But uh, once you request it, we can set up a quick 15, 20 minutes to walk you through it. Uh, it's, it's, it's life-changing for the rep. It can really turn around a sales organization or team. And the GPS concept works well in multiple environments. So you think about, Chris, what you and I do when working with executives, we think about the role GPS. And so we think about the alignment of my individual as a leader, goal, goals, plans, scorecard in the context of the commitments I've made to my company, in the context of the role that I'm filling for my company and the teams that I'm leading. So the GPS concept is really powerful regardless of 
uh, the context that we find ourselves in. And, and, you know, regardless of the context we find ourselves in, I love that you said that because I think that's like the, you know, the moment here, the closing moment, if you will, to, for people to understand, if you're off track, you don't beat yourself up. You don't shame yourself. It's a waste of time and effort and energy. Instead, you just get a system that helps you get on track. And if it's really good, it can be even better. And that's where those massive rewards come from. When you're 90% aligned and you move to 92 and 94 and 96% aligned on the time value and the goals, we know that those are harder fought for gains, but that's where that exponential return starts to increase. The team becomes high performing. Chris, I'd love to wrap up with uh, a fun acronym for folks to take with them. We got time? Lay it on us. <laughs> well, look, one of the things I talk a lot about is, is that proper goal setting really does two big things for an organization, right? It um, creates business alignment and it makes the organization healthy, right? This idea of alignment and health is really foundational and it's critical. And it's really, really one of the one of the most profound things that, or two of the most profound things that I as a coach can bring to an organization. Um, Everybody's heard of SMART goals, goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. Uh, And in my my training, I kind of rail against two of the words in that that acronym. I, I have a hard time with goals that I think are attainable and goals that I think are realistic. Why? Well, if I'm going to judge a goal based on what I, what I know today, then what I'm really doing is I'm judging that goal based on my past experience. So if I'm always choosing goals that I think are attainable or that I think are realistic, I'm judging my future based on my past performance. And I view that as limiting, as a limiting factor. Yeah. Well, you're lighting me up on that because it's your imagination that propels you to the next level of consciousness beyond your current horizon. If you only imagine solutions to your problems in this state. Right. Right. Yeah. No, dude, I mean, (laughs) this is the first time you and I have talked about this. Uh, so what do I want? I want goals instead of instead of attainable. I want goals that are aligned. If my goals are aligned, then they're then they're shared, right? Shared goals, shared path. That generates leverage. Now I'm positioning myself for for that multiplier effect. I'm positioning myself as a growth multiplier. And instead of realistic, I want my goals to be healthy. Right, so we don't want to create goals that have the the potential to, right, to, to ultimately kill us. Right? I mean, how many times am I talking to growth organizations yeah. and all they want is revenue? Well, what about what about your capacity to deliver? And are you going to end up putting yourself out of business? Or Chris, you know, diet and nutrition. Oh, I want to be huge. Do you want to be huge at the expense of your heart? Right. Mm. I'm sure you've got some comments on that. Dude, I mean, this is like, yeah. And and I also 
see where you're headed with the acrostic too, and it's funny. I I think I do. So drop the boom well, on us. What word? Specific, are you measurable, aligned, healthy, and timely. These are SMART goals. S M A H T. Exactly. The Bostonian is coming out exactly. in you right I, now. For those yeah. of you who don't know, who don't know, my bride and my girls uh, were all born in Boston, and. Uh, we spent some of the best years of our lives there, or a decade or more, where I got my education, et cetera. So, yeah, man, these are smart goals. So, so uh, a tip of the hat to my Boston roots. But I'd like the listeners to think about this in the context of their organization and their own um, vision uh, that they have for themselves. Think about specific, measurable, aligned, and healthy and timely. And then think about the challenges that that creates for you. Uh, and I, I'll tell you what, if you if you accept those challenges, then you will build, uh, you'll set goals and you'll build an organization that is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And when you know who you are, this is what's lighting me up as a person, as a leader, that alignment, it's the overflow, it's true to you, it's gonna be healthy, and you're gonna commit to that time. Fun times today on Goal Setting. Thanks for teaching A great pleasure. Good talking to you, Chris. You too, buddy. Peace. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.